So Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 1. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan, and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah unto the utmost sea, and the south, and the plain of the valleys of Jericho, the city of palm trees, unto Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you again for um, an opportunity to come into your house, Lord, to sing your praises, and Lord, to hear from your word. And Lord, I pray that, um, Lord, you speak through me, Lord, and, and help me to say only what you would have me to say. Lord, I pray that I present your, the your truths found in your word clearly. And Lord, I pray that you, you work in each heart and life, uh, meet the needs that are present. Especially, if there's one in here who has never accepted you as their Savior, Lord, the need of salvation. Uh, Lord, I pray that you uh, meet that need for that lost soul in here tonight. And, uh, Lord, convict hearts um, as only you can, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, we're going to be... The subject of tonight's sermon is the promised land unreached. The promised land Unreached, As you saw there, Moses is allowed, of course, to go up um, to the mountain of Nebo, the top of Pisgah, the, the tallest peak there. And, he's, and God allows him to view the promised land, to view Canaan. But, of course, he was not going to be able to enter the promised land. And think about the hope of Moses as he's traveling through the wilderness for 40 years with a rebellious people, with a seditious people, um, a complaining people. Um, and he's, he, he's just looking forward, all those many years, he's looking forward to being able to enter the promised land. Um, the land that has been, again, promised to the nation of Israel. He's looking forward to it, um, and he's, he's traveling all around and everything. You know, you know if, if we have something to look forward to, we can deal with a lot of um, struggles, a lot of trials. If we, if we have that end point, something to look forward to at the end. Um, it, one of the easiest examples is for a child eating vegetables. If they know they're going to get ice cream at the end, they'll eat their vegetables. They'll go through much suffering because of the end goal. They're looking forward to that. So the hope of Moses through the wandering in the wilderness was the promised land, yet he never reached it. And humanly speaking, we would say that he deserved it. Uh, if any man deserved that kind of reward here on earth, uh, Moses would be that man. Um, I, I, I did a series in Sunday school on Moses, and he is, outside of David, he is the one man that is mentioned the most in the Bible. Um, David is, is mentioned the most, but outside of that, of course, moving God or Christ out of the, out of the equation, but any, any mortal man, David and then Moses. Um, just a tremendous man of God, and we would say he deserved to enter the promised land. What... What was so great about Moses? Well, he, he gave up the treasures of Egypt. Um, he decided to suffer affliction with the people of God. He had a deal while he's, while he's dealing with the people of God that he has left uh, the pleasures and the, the ease of Egypt. And he's dealing with these people. He had to deal with, again, the insurrection, the sedition, the idolatry that they were constantly falling into. Uh, personal attacks made against him, uh, even from his own family. 
But he continued to intercede to God on behalf of Israel several times, saving them from utter annihilation because of him. And God mentions that. It's mentioned in the book of Psalms how Moses stood, basically stood in the gap for Israel and interceded on their behalf, even though they were extremely ungrateful in their actions toward him. They remained ungrateful, but he stayed steadfast. Now, whose fault was it that he missed the promised land? Let's turn to Numbers chapter 20. Again, the initial response, if you're familiar with this account, we would say it was Moses' own fault that he missed the promised land. Numbers chapter 20. Let's start reading verse 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Here now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And, and Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. So Moses' action here is he smites the rock instead of speaking to it, fails to sanctify the Lord before the Israelites. And because of this, God says, you're not going to enter the promised land. But if we are going to pursue the question a little bit further of whose fault it is that he did not enter the promised land, we could also lay blame at the feet of the whole nation of Israel. Let's turn to Numbers 14. a prior event to him smiting the rock. Numbers 14, we'll just read the first four verses here. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. The whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Moses here, they're standing there at Kadesh Barnea. They've sent the spies into the land. Spies brought back, of course, the evil report and discouraged the people. But they're standing at the precipice of the promised land. If the nation moves forward in faith, moves forward in accordance with God's word, Moses enters the promised land at this time. So however you want to divvy up the blame, Moses, nation of Israel, doesn't change the end result. It does not. He still does not enter the promised land. He begged God several times to allow him to enter the promised land. This is, of course, after the smiting of the rock. But God refused. This disappointment is not unique to Moses. We all have hopes, we all have dreams that we want to occur in our lives, but for whatever reason they fail to materialize. We have this idea, this, this thing that we're imagining, this is going to be great for our life, this is what's going to turn out in my life, and for whatever reason, it never comes about. It may be a result of our own actions, or maybe a result of others' actions. Un maybe even unaccommodating circumstances. Things just didn't work out through no, the through fault of nobody. 
Again, we'll all have times like that where we have a disappointment that happens in our lives, something we've been looking forward to with great anticipation, something that has been getting us through some hard times maybe, and then it doesn't happen. Maybe it's a lifelong desire that remains unfulfilled. The promised land unreached, if you will. Now this is dangerous ground when this happens. Again, nothing wrong with the desire. Moses' desire to enter the promised land was not wrong. And oftentimes our desires will not be wrong. But this is still dangerous ground when that desire is unmet. It is unfulfilled. As Proverbs says, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. So when that hope is deferred, it fertilizes the soil for seeds to drop in, mindsets to come. Some dangerous seeds that might pop up during this time, seed of bitterness. Can't believe I wasn't able to, that didn't happen in my life. A seed of discontentment, anger. Or unbelief in the ability or unbelief in the character of God. Well, if God was really good, if He really loved me, He would have allowed this to happen in my life. And again, look at it from the viewpoint of Moses. He's put up with all this stuff from God's people. He's like, the least that could happen is for me to enter the promised land and see it. But unrealized desire fertilizes the soil of our heart. And again, we mentioned some of those dangerous seeds and how many lives have we all seen ruined by just one of those seeds? Bitterness crept into a life. Discontentment. And in the fertile soil of unfulfilled hopes, unfulfilled dreams, these seeds, these dangerous seeds, seeds of sin can combine to form a root that is impossible to remove outside of, of course, God moving drastically in a life. One of these seeds is bad enough, but when they combine, it's so much more dangerous. Now, one of the reasons this is, uh, this is dangerous ground to be in is because to our mind, these, the desires that we have, the dreams that we have, are not unreasonable. We're not asking God for millions in the bank. At least, I wouldn't think we are. Uh, we're not asking God for a Rolls Royce to drive or, or, or anything like that. They're fairly reasonable dreams often. You know, if, if they're unreasonable dreams, we don't really get too upset if they're not realized. Like, well, yes, it was a long shot to happen anyway. But it's the reasonable dreams, reasonable desires that are the most dangerous. Because we know it's easily within the scope of God's blessing to give it to us. We know we're living a, a life that is pleasing to God, or at least we're not living in constant sin. So if God would choose to bless us with this desire to allow this to occur in our life, it's well within His scope. He wouldn't be stepping outside of character at all for God to do this. Those are the desires that are dangerous. Those are the hopes that if they are left unmet, can quickly turn into bitterness, resentment against God or against others. Again, you saw some resentment coming from Moses a little bit towards the children of Israel. Here now, you rebels! little resentment in place there in his life. And that was before, of course, the uh, decision by God not to allow him to enter. 
Paul had a similar experience in his life. He asked God for a thorn in the flesh to be removed. Nothing unreasonable. From Paul's viewpoint, he's looking at it and he's saying, this is hindering me from being able to serve God more. And so he asked God for the thorn in the flesh to be removed. Reasonable request. Again, from our viewpoint. So again, the reasonable hopes that are left unfilled, they're fertile soil, but we get to decide what seed we put in. Are we going to put in the seed of bitterness, of resentment, or are we going to put in the seeds of God's word, as Paul did? He said, you know what, you're not going to remove the thorn, and now I see when God said, my strength is made perfect in weakness, Paul said, most gladly will I rather glory in my infirmities. He dropped in the right seed into that fertile soil, changed his life, changed his outlook. Just as bitterness or resentment changes the outlook of a life, can't find good in any situation, so a seed from God's Word dropped into that fertile soil can change the outlook, change your perspective immediately, change it so drastically. So what this message will focus on is some of those seeds from God's Word that we want to put into our life. If we remember these, it will help us when we're unable to reach that promised land, when that dream is unfulfilled. So to to look at this, to illustrate these points, we're going to look at the life of Moses after he was told he would not enter the promised land. So he knows he's not going to enter it. He knows that promised land will remain unreached in his life. So three points we have tonight. Our life still has purpose, even without the promised land. God is still blessing, even without the promised land. And God has something far greater in store. Again, even aside from the promised land. So our life still has purpose. When we are unable to reach the promised land, when we know it's not going to happen, and again, the the ground has now been fertilized for the seeds to drop in, we must remember that our life still has purpose. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 3. Of course, Deuteronomy, written by Moses right before his death. But we'll pick it up, Deuteronomy 3, verse 23. It says, And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. This is at the end of his life. And he's saying, Now thou hast begun to show it. Just getting a little bit of God's greatness. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for, thy, for your sakes and would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, let it suffice thee. Speak no more unto me of this matter, but get thee up into the top of Pisgah and lift up thine eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward. And behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan. But charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. So we abode in the valley over against Beth Peor. Let's read the first verse of the next chapter. 
Now therefore, hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them, that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. He has just been told by God, don't ask me again. I'll give you a glimpse of the promised land. Don't ask me again to see it, to, to enter it. <clears throat> and what does God command him to do? Encourage others. But our life still has purpose. Again, often when we find the promised land unattainable, we become despondent. We become, again, focused on self. Our life becomes lackluster. You know, even the things that brought us happiness don't really bring us happiness anymore because that one desire is unfulfilled. In a sense, we cannot turn to the next page of our life. We remain stuck on that one page, stuck on that unfulfilled desire. But of course, the Christian life should never be lived looking backward or wondering what might have been. As Paul said in Philippians, forgetting those things which are behind and looking forward to those things which are before. I press for the mark, for the high, prize of the high calling of God. Moses still had a job to do. Even after being told by God he was not going to enter the promised land, he still had a purpose. He still had a job to do. And he was commanded, as we saw, to encourage others. We see, you see that in, in uh, verse 28 of chapter 3 there in Deuteronomy. But charge Joshua... And encourage him and strengthen him. Now when we have met with great disappointment, this command is extremely difficult. How hard is it to encourage others when you are discouraged yourself? It's extremely difficult. Um, humanly speaking, I would say it's impossible. But this is exactly what God told Moses to do. He just tells him, I'm not gonna, I don't want to have you asking him to enter the promised land anymore, but here's what you need to do. Encourage Joshua. Um, that'd be a hard, hard thing to do. But why, why did God tell Moses this? He gave him a task to do. He gave him a purpose. If we stay focused on our own disappointments, we will continue to stay despondent. We'll just continue to be wrapped up in ourselves. If we don't get our eyes off of ourselves and start looking on others and trying to help others, we're just going to continue to spiral downward. Again, if we focus on helping others, we start to recognize that we still have a purpose. We still have goals that can be met that can help others. And again, there's been various psychological studies that have been done that point out that the people who are the most focused on self are the ones who are the most miserable. The happiest people are the ones who care about others, who try to help others instead of being wrapped up in themselves. And for the Christian, of course, we have numerous commands to help others. Bury one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Weep with them who weep. Do good unto all men. And these commandments are not made with any caveat of if you're feeling like it. If you're feeling joyful today, do good unto all men. No, it's the commands are made and we are supposed to obey them regardless of personal feeling. Regardless of how we're feeling at the moment, regardless of how Moses was feeling, God said you need to encourage and strengthen Joshua. So we need to encourage others. We have purpose in life. One of that 
one of those purposes is to encourage others. Another purpose we have in life is to pray for others. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 12. I read a verse out of this Sunday morning. We'll read another verse, 1 Samuel 12. We'll read verse 23 this time. Israel has just told Samuel they want a king. And of course, this was a great disappointment. Samuel, well, let's read 1 Samuel twelve twenty three. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Again, this statement is made after a great disappointment to Samuel. Israel has now said we want a king. We don't want God as our king anymore. We want a physical king. And that cut Samuel to the core if you read through the chapters previous to that. It just absolutely cut him to the core. He cried to God about it. But he still recognized it would be a sin for him to stop praying for the nation. Well, you talk about a sin, I think that's probably present in all of our lives. And that is to, that we have not prayed for each other like we should. Samuel said, it would be a sin for me to stop praying for you. Even though you have just caused great disappointment in my life. And you have hurt me very much. You have chosen man's way over God's way. This is directly opposite of what Samuel was desiring for the nation. He was bringing them back to God out of the period of the judges where every man did that which was right in his own eyes. He's bringing them back to God and now they say we don't want to follow God's way and have him as our king. We want to follow man's way, the way of the world. But he didn't react with resentment or bitterness. He said, I'm going to keep praying for you. Again, we should have that in our life. Our life still has purpose to pray for others. Another purpose that we have, even if the promised land is unreached, is to follow God's word. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1, we'll just read one verse here. Deuteronomy 1 verse 5. On this side Jordan, in the land of Moab, began Moses to declare this law, saying... So the introduction to the book of Deuteronomy. And then he get, begins to say, The Lord our God spake unto us. And he's going to tell Israel what God had told Israel to do. And that, of course, included him. If Moses had decided that life had no purpose without the promised land, he would not have written the book of Deuteronomy. It's one of my personal... Favorite book, especially in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy is just an amazing book. But if Moses would have been wrapped up in himself, he would not have penned the book of Deuteronomy. And again, one of the dangers of despondency, of getting wrapped up in our, in our own disappointments, is the attitude of what difference does it make? God could be moving him to write the book, and he's like, what difference does it make? Yeah. I'm not going to get to see the promised land, so you know, why do I care if I have God's blessing in my life? I'm already not going to get this blessing that I was desiring so greatly, so why, why, why do I care about any other blessings? Why do I care about rewards up in heaven? But of course that is, would not be in accordance with God's word. Moses was still commanded to lead and to instruct Israel. 
And we are still commanded to be conformed to the image of Christ. Even if we have suffered disappointment, we are still commanded to be conformed to the image of Christ. We are still commanded to be salt and light to this world. These commands did not go away because we suffered disappointment, however great. We can still have great we still have great purpose in life through obedience to God's word. So we still have purpose. Even if the promised land is unreached in our life, we still have a great purpose in our life. Secondly, if the promised land is unreached, we still our life is still blessed. Let's turn back to Deuteronomy thirty four. For a few extra verses here out of Deuteronomy thirty four. We'll read verse 7 and then verse 10. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Verse 10. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. You know, we, we humans are really something else. We can get so singularly focused on what we want that we forget about the rest of our life. Um, a good illustration of this is the uh, picture of a, of a toddler surrounded by toys and he's screaming his head off because another child has one toy and he wants that toy. Singularly focused. He doesn't care about everything else around him, all the blessings around him. He, he's just focusing on the thing that he is missing. It illustrates us very well. Uh, adults are not immune from that at all. We just cover it a little bit better and... Uh, but this is, this is not to make light of the crushing disappointment that we, that we sometimes face. Sometimes it, it greatly weighs us down and burden, burdens us down to not have this desire fulfilled. We begin to think that we have, essentially, practically, we begin to think that we've been cursed by God because we missed out on one thing. Though it may have been a very major thing. We get so focused on that one thing, we just think, oh, God obviously doesn't want to bless me. It's ludicrous to think that God doesn't want to bless us. And again, stop and think before descending into that mindset. Moses, we read two verses here where we see he was blessed physically and he was blessed spiritually. And we have the same blessing. We've been blessed physically and we've been blessed spiritually. So when the promised land is unreached and we get tempted to sink down into despair... Let's remember a couple blessings. First of all, the physical blessings we have on our life. We live in the greatest, most prosperous nation in the history of the world. No nation has ever risen to the prosperity, to the manner of living that we have. We have access to things that have only been imagined to people in the past. You think of all the different TV shows that were out there of how they have these little devices that are able to talk to people across, uh, you know, in another area. You know, phones. That was just a sci-fi thing at one time. We are able to fly. Something that was been dreamed about for thousands of years before, of course, the Wright brothers made it happen in the early 1900s. Our healthcare system in our nation is so far advanced compared to the millennia of 
human history. I mean, I would have died at 12 or 13 had I lived 200 years ago because I had appendicitis. And I had lived hundreds of years ago, I would have died. But the healthcare system we have nowadays, the advanced healthcare, I'm still here before you, which may be a blessing, may be a curse to some of you, I'm not sure. We're living at a time where the next meal is more a question of what we want versus where is the next meal coming from? Do we even, are we even going to have a next meal? Think of how many millions of people have lived in those circumstances. They're not sure if they're going to have another meal or not. People living in those circumstances today in other parts of the world. But we're like, ah, I don't want to go there. I don't feel like that. I don't feel like having McDonald's. I want, I want Subway. It's more a matter of what we feel like than of if we're going to have another meal or where it's coming from. Our main health problem in this country most likely is eating too much. Uh, that's rather unique to this time in history. Physical blessings. We choose clothes often from personal comfort or personal style rather than protection from the elements, which is what it was for thousands of years. God has blessed us greatly just in the physical realm. And that's just, I'm just speaking generically what things that we all have access to. But God has also blessed us spiritually. Of course, we have been redeemed to the Father and saved from condemnation of hell. <laughs> if that doesn't get your mind off of a disappointment, I think maybe you're a little too focused on the disappointment. We have at least one copy, if not more, of the complete revelation of God's Word to man, the Bible. That has only been readily available over the last 100 to 200 years, and again, even that is mostly limited to Western civilization. How many saints in the past have desired to have the entire Word of God and they, couldn't, they didn't have access to it? Great spiritual blessings just in, the, in a copy of God's Word can uplift our spirits. We have been given permission to approach the throne room of God Himself, to come boldly into His throne room. We here are in a church that is pastored by a man of God that prioritizes his flock instead of himself. Pastor McGovern never tries to lift up his own name or himself. If one of his church members needs something, he will drop what he's doing, he'll get up in the middle of the night, and do something to help them out. Try to help them out as best of his ability. That's not a common thing. So it would be the epitome of ingratitude to focus on the disappointment when there are blessings all around us. As this old song says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Start counting off those blessings. I think it will help get the mind off the disappointment that we've had in our life. So our life is still blessed. Even if we don't reach the promised land, that desire is unfulfilled. Our life is still blessed. And lastly, God has something better for us. Deuteronomy 34, verse 6. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. So he died. Moses 
course, longing for the promised land, he knew it would have to be conquered. There was going to be battles to face. And God now spared him any more battles, spared him any more angst from the nation of Israel. And he brought him to a place that was far better than what he was longing for. Even the promised land cannot compare to the glories that await us in heaven. And though we may, with the purest of intentions, imagine how God's perfect will will unfold in our life and we'll have this great blessing at the end, it'll be a great life, God still has something better in mind for us. The best we can imagine still falls short of what God has for us. And I'm not just talking about heaven, I'm talking about here on this earth. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, I'm going to go ahead and read for time's sake. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So what we're imagining, this is God's perfect will in my life, this is going to be a blessed life, this is what we have. We have this picture in our brain. And God says, oh, I can do much better than that. And he will. And again, though our ideal hope may fail to come to fruition, what God chooses to give us will be so much sweeter and so much beneficial to us than we could ever dream. Now the key is submission to God's will. Submission to his actions in our life. And again, Paul, we can look at Paul's response. When God said, nope, I'm going to leave the thorn in place, he had the right response. He submitted to God's will. Do you think God would have been able to use him in such a powerful way if he had resented the presence of the thorn? No. Because of his submission to God's will, because he was made weak, God's power moved through him. Instead of resenting the thorn, he allowed it, he viewed it as allowing him to be more usable by God. Now the question is, do we resent God not allowing us to enter the promised land? Or do we acknowledge that what he has for us is far greater? So how do we attain to this attitude of Paul and Moses? By having the attitude of Abraham. I'm going to read a verse here, Genesis 15:1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Abraham knew this, that's why he wandered around by faith. But his reward was God. His reward was not the promised land. He was wandering around, he didn't possess it. He was a pilgrim in it. His reward was God. Now, we often think the greatest reward that we can receive as believers is to hear God say, when we stand before Him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that will, it's a tremendous reward. But the greatest reward we can receive is not waiting for us in heaven. We already have it as Christians right now. We have God. He is the exceeding great reward. We look at the promised land. We get focused on these other things, these blessings that might have been when God is right in front of us. Living inside of us, the Spirit indwells us. 
The reward we have already obtained. God is our exceeding great reward. This reward is accessible to us while we are here on this earth, but we have to realize it. We have to understand that God's way is perfect. That though we may not reach the promised land, yet we still have an exceeding great reward in God Himself. When this is our mindset, a denial of the promised land will not bring the fruit of bitterness, but we will start to have vision like Moses and be able to see the invisible, as it says in Hebrews chapter 11. And we will be able to look on the things which are not seen, as Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 4. Well, we look not on the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen. Seeing the invisible. When we have that mindset that God's way is perfect, that He is our reward and nothing else can compare. The disappointment of not reaching the promised land just kind of fades away. Things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace, the song says. So what do we do when the promised land is unreached? Again, that fertile soil of our heart is plowed up. It's waiting for the seed to get dropped in when that disappointment comes, when that desire is unreached. What seed will we drop? Seed of resentment? Seed of anger? Seed of disbelief or unbelief of God's character, of God's abilities? Or are we going to drop the seed of submission and reap an abundant harvest? Of course, the seeds of sin can yield an abundant harvest too, but you don't want to be around for that harvest. Much better to drop in the seeds from God's Word. Remember, life still has purpose. We are still blessed. And God has something far better in store for us. Let's go ahead and cl- close our eyes and bow our heads.